the Humanity Church podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. How's it going, Humanity Church? Yeah, my name is uh, Juan Garcia. I'm one of the elders here. Translated into English, that means I'm one of the directors here at uh, Humanity Church, and uh, it's a privilege to serve on this team. And it is awesome to be here. And those of you online and watching outside of California, the weather is amazing. It is the best. Um, so we uh, continue our conversations through uh, things we don't talk about at the dinner table. Have you ever noticed like, when some like, awkward thing slips into the dinner conversation? Have you ever been there? No, good, perfect. Yeah, and, and everybody like notices the disturbance in the force and you just, you stop, right? And then the clanking of the dishes comes on because everybody's chosen to ignore it. That's, I love that. Uh, that is so cool. Uh, Leslie, in her conversation, actually gave us a perspective, a lens uh, to see how, how it is that Jesus views money uh, and how the way we handle money really exposes us, I would say. And it, you notice expose is kind of like this downer word. I didn't mean it to be a downer word. It could expose awesome things in you, right? So, okay, cool. And Nathan, uh, Nathan did a really good job, I, I thought, an incredible job of showing us how to manage resources so that we can align intention with, with our resources, which is a powerful thing. Now, the thing I've noticed about conversations at the dinner tables, there's a lot of things that at least me, my friends, talk about at the dinner table, right? Like, if somebody's getting a new job, we talk about that. If somebody's gotten a promotion, we talk about that. Uh, uh, oh, if somebody's getting married, engaged, dating, we talk about that. If I'm there, that kind of devolves a little bit into gossip, right? That's just, that's just me, just so you know. Um, and, and then... There's some things, kind of controversial things do slip in depending on the group and depending on the dinner table. Like if close friends are around and maybe relationship isn't working out as really you would want, that creeps in there. But then, then there's that moment where there's a disturbance in the force and everybody pulls back and we, we don't go there. Um, but what I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed, what has never come up in my experience is how indebted we are. Like at the dinner table, the debt that we carry, the financial debt that we carry, in my experience, like doesn't show up, doesn't make it into the dinner conversation. Have you guys had that experience? Right, we talk about all kinds of crazy things at the dinner table, but that one, as I was reflecting, getting ready for this, I noticed it, it doesn't show up. Any guesses as to why that doesn't show up? 
embarrassment, uncomfortable, shame. Holy cow, that's awesome. What else? What else? Anger. What is it? Landmines. Landmines. You're afraid of being judged. I think that's where the shame is. E oh, oh, oh. Oh, dang. Ego. Ego's a good one, man. I don't know, man. I don't know if you remember Billy Crystal and Fernando Lamas. He did that thing on Saturday night, and he said, it is better to look good than to feel good, my friend. Um, so, yeah. And have you noticed that, like, there's all this weight with debt. And it, from our experience, at least here, and maybe you online, it, it wasn't all like these positive vibes, right? It was a lot of hiding, isolating, maybe some regret, maybe some anger. Now, I am actually uniquely qualified to talk about debt because I have, my professional job is to, I, I manage a team of te 20 people and my professional job is to mitigate the risk that debt has on a portfolio. That's actually what I do for a living that I've done for more than 20 years. So that it is my job to say, hey, debt is causing this amount of risk in this portfolio, which at this point is $1.1 billion, and are you okay with the risk that the debt is imposing on this portfolio? And I do, I'm gonna throw some jargon out, I do analysis on debt to income, so I get to see, okay, here's the debt, what's the income that is supporting this debt, and that, is that a reasonable risk? And I'll tell you, in the finance world, if your debt to income ratio is 36% or less, finance world says you're good. Um, as, what that means is that 36% of your income is actually going to pay off debt. Now, you may not think that's good, but in our world, that's cool. As a matter of fact, if you want to buy a home mortgage, we'll allow you to pack on another 20% of debt to your income ratio. So we'll get you up right up to 56%, and you're, you're, you're good, right? And now... What does that mean? I'll translate into English. It means that 56% of every dollar that comes into your household as income, you're paying it to someone else as debt. I don't know if you feel good about that. You feel good about that? I don't know. The other thing I do, I do analysis on loan-to-values inside, inside of this portfolio, meaning that here's the loan amount, here's the value of the asset, what's the risk? Cool, and what, well, just so you guys know a little, Side note here, on a car, you're perfectly okay by uh, financing 120% of the value of the car. Absolutely. Don't, don't be surprised. This is what I do for a living. I'm telling you, okay? Um, that's perfectly acceptable because what we do is then you start making payments. The balance starts going down. The value of the collateral starts going down. But at some point, you get to a point. So, for example... If you want to buy a $50,000 car, you can spend $60,000 doing that, sign on the dotted line, go home, you know, impress all your friends. Of course, at the dinner table, you're going to talk about the very cool new car. You're not going to talk about the debt because debt, whatever, right? So cool, fancy car, and car's worth 50. You just paid 60. Awesome. At some point, the value of that car depreciates. Your loan balance also depreciates. And at some point, that car's worth 15, and you owe 15. 
we're safe, good, awesome. I do that for a living, folks. <laughs> Done it for 20 years. Actually, more than 20 years. Actually, it's really kind of fun for me. That's weird, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Thank you. It's, it's, I, I love it. I, I'm, I'm stuck in numbers all day long. So, I want to tell you about my personal story with debt. Because have you ever noticed that doctors aren't always the healthiest person? <laughs> right? You wonder, okay, you're asking me to lose weight and get on the treadmill. So, I was in college, and uh, this awesome thing happened to me. I took an acting class, and I was very disillusioned with college because I actually thought college was a place where you were going to learn, grow, discover. I didn't recognize that at the undergrad level, they're actually turning you into automatons that will feed the machine. That's a different story for a different time. Uh, but I discovered this acting class, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I thought college would be like like exploring, learning, finding out about myself, seeing how that interacts in the world. It was awesome, right? And on one spring break, I went and applied to a, I would say, a reasonably prestigious acting conservatory. I applied. They granted me an audition. I got in. Awesome. So I made a decision. I didn't consult with my parents, of course, um, or anybody. And I thought, I'm doing this. This is happening. And here's what was cool. I was broke. You ever been broke? Like broke. I was broke. But I had no debt. No school debt. No car loan. No credit card. I didn't know anything to anybody. Eh, except a bunch of emotional debt to my parents. We won't talk about that. Um, but I, I remember when I was making the decision to move into to Hollywood, and I got accepted to this really cool place. And I was so overwhelmed with joy because I was free to choose. I didn't know it at that time because I was young, but the, the simple fact that I was debt-free meant that I was free, even though I was broke because I could work at Denny's from 9 4.30 in the morning to make money, which is what I did. And I was, I'm telling, you, you ever, you've been in that place, guys, where you've been broke but free? Yeah. I want you to take a minute. Everybody take a deep breath. And just imagine that, that, remember that feeling. Now come back to reality. Um, <laughs> That, that's where I found it. And there's this Chinese proverb that's, that, that reads that a man with no debt is rich. And I was experiencing that, man. It was the best feeling. And off I went into the life that is that. So life moves on. Stuff happens. Actors make like $17 a week. And I meet a girl. Actually, how would I say? I was like a tidal wave of a girl came my way. <laughs> I was 
wow, this is awesome. And, uh, and at some point, we decide we're going to make a life together. So we start figuring it out. We get married. Her name is Leslie. She's awesome. And, and, and we start making decisions. You know, we had savings. Well, I should say, once we got married, we had savings. Because I didn't have any savings. But once I got married, it turns out I did have savings. Um, <laughs> but, but we had no debt. But you know what? When you move into a 680-square-foot apartment in Costa Mesa, overlooking a swimming pool, and you can almost hear the beach in the distance, almost, almost, and that costs a lot of money, and as a responsible man that I am, of course, when you get a brand new apartment with a beautiful new wife and new life, the first thing you need to do is get the biggest stereo possible. That's number one priority. My wife had other ideas like furniture. No. Um, wrong. Uh, so I, I remember I applied for a credit card. You guys, this is so long ago, you're not even going to remember. Circuit City. And this was a long time ago, and they gave me $500, which means I had a $500 stereo. Take it to the limit, man. Go for it. And then little things like that start creeping up because literally you do need furniture, it turns out. I mean, I'm, I consider myself a Spartan, but in reality, I'm way bougier than that. Um, and so I needed a bed. We needed a bed. Place needed to look good. We needed to wear clothing. I won't go there. Um, and, you know, so, stuff, so little by little, we weren't too crazy. You know, credit card here, loan there. You had to have a car that really works, right? And, if you have a car, of course, every car comes with a car payment, duh, right? So we got a car, you had to get a payment with the car, and then, and then you buy a house, because, you know, everybody tells you you have to have a house. It's not true, different conversation. But we wanted a house. We thought we could afford the house. We actually, turns out we can afford it. We made one, like, in this whole road, we made one brilliant decision. We decided that... Whatever house we bought, we had to afford it on one income. I don't know where that came from, to be honest. It's not like we were, I was that wise. We were really, it's like somehow it got in both of our heads. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should buy a house where one income will support. And then slowly, and then all of a sudden, quoting I forget who, um, we found ourselves tens of thousands of dollars in debt. You ever been there? And it was starting to get hard to think. And it was starting to get hard to like see the goodness in my partner. And it was starting to get hard to talk. And, and it was starting to get hard to have fun. I'm a pretty, like I like doing adventurous, crazy things, you know. And, but that was starting to get hard. And then every decision in my mind, because I'm like a silent processor, and people around me hate it because sometimes I process for years. Um, <laughs> and, and, and 
I, I can't, like, I can't even talk about it. I remember I had a nervous breakdown. It lasted about, I don't know, 7 to 12 hours. I don't exactly remember. But I, I was in my office at home, like, because, because we got news that our property taxes were late and we didn't have the money. And I, all I can do was go to the mailbox. And then when I came back, I just collapsed on the floor. I was out. But then the brilliant notion came, oh, our taxes. We never owe taxes. We always get money back. Okay, so we'll be late on our tax bill, fine. But come, this was back when taxes came in the mail, people. Um, you know, by February, if we file January 2nd, we'll get our taxes by February. We'll be a couple of months late, but we'll be able to pay the, the thing. This was 2008. I finally came to the point that I recognized I had, like, utterly marched myself into debt. You want to know how stupid I was? Who wants to hear it? Okay. I was so, you got to say, how stupid were you? Uh, thank you. I was so stupid that I would go and put gasoline on a credit card that I couldn't afford, but since I couldn't afford it, I'd buy a Diet Coke and Snickers bar along with it, and one day it, re it registered that I am paying 18% on a Diet Coke and Snickers bar. Totally worth it. And I'm wondering why I'm having a nervous breakdown. Thank goodness it lasted about 7 to 12 hours. 2008, a big, not, this thing happens, right? Again, silent processor. I'm listening to Dave Ramsey. If you don't know who Dave Ramsey is, look him up. He's a personal finance guy who really puts together a great model to free people from debt. So anyway, I'm listening to Dave Ramsey, and I'm not letting anybody know that I'm listening to Dave Ramsey, because as I'm listening to Dave Ramsey, my guts are turning inside out. And it's like a masochistic move. I would turn Ramsey on, I would get angry, feel sick, turn him off, and then turn him on five minutes later, because somehow God, whoever, was trying to get a hold of me and telling me to wake up. Finally, I did wake up, and I... I shared this with people, like, hey, what do you guys, this is my way of reaching, this is my cry for help. Hey, what do you think of this podcast by Dave Ramsey? And I just needed somebody to slap me and say, we got to do it. But you know what the very, the coolest thing in the world was, is that I was marching myself straight into perdition, but I wasn't alone. It was a silent march, but 80% of us do that daily. Only 20% of us in America are debt-free. That's awesome. So I had good company, smart people, doctors, lawyers, actors, everybody, like the best people in the world. So I felt awesome. And along with all of us, one day, we just walk into the jail cell and we close the door behind us and we give the jailer the keys. So cool. Now, y'all want to know about how much debt the average American has? Okay, ready, drum roll. Oh, and also we do, Leslie and I do personal coaching um, with, uh, around debt and finance. So that's, we've had, we had very interesting perspectives. So the average debt load in America, drum roll please, is $96,320. <laughs> Sounds like a lot, right? Sounds like a lot. However, I do this professionally for a living. I'm not even surprised anymore when people have 
consumer debt of $300,000. That doesn't include, I deal with it all, every day. Every day, I'll tell to Leslie stories. Oh, found this out, right? I have a bunch of customers who are 98% debt to income, meaning 98% of their income goes out to pay debt. That's awesome, that's a cool life. That's a cool life, because that requires discipline, man. Because how do you not blow up and spontaneously combust when you're paying 98%? That's a discipline. That is a discipline, man. So 96, now the cool thing is, for you millennials in the room, shout out, you're, you're, you're only $78,000 in debt. Below the line, man, you're good. Gen Xers, any Gen Xers, that's me, woohoo, $135,000 in debt. That's cool, we're winning. We're better than you, right? So, you wanna hear something? Siri's gonna tell us something. Siri, 18% times 96,000. The answer is $17,280. It's $17,280, which means if that's credit card debt, $17,280 of that goes to just pay the interest. So you're not cutting into the debt, you're just paying the interest. Let me translate it. $1,440 means uh, monthly income is going just to pay debt, not to pay the interest, just not to pay the debt. So you ask yourself, a lot of us are asking ourselves, where does the money go? 1,400 of it goes to nothing. Interest. The enslavement, you chose to put yourself into it. However, you're not completely at fault, but you're completely responsible. How's that fit? Ooh, just got hard, man. Relax. Now, has anybody out there felt the weight of that enslavement, of that debt? Mm-hmm. How does it feel? Somebody, anybody want to share? It feels awful. Anxious, hopeless. Um, what's that? Helpless. helpless. You want to know what something crazy, chronic stress can lower your IQ by as much as 15 points? Now, you may think, well, I don't even know what that means, right? <laughs> but if you're of an average IQ and your IQ goes down by 15 points, you are cognitively impaired requiring special education classes. So you want to know why I was... <laughs> I was cognitively impaired requiring special education and interventions because I couldn't breathe. Thought experiment. How many of you are excited to do that for the next 30 years? Show of hands. Okay, next question. How many of you are actually going to do it for the next 30 years? Some of you. And I hope that you hear me today and you do not deserve that level of enslavement. But you will earn it if you don't do something. I want to quote some people. Robert Kiyosaki 
says this about debt. Bad debt is debt that makes you poor. I count the mortgage on my home as bad debt because I'm the one paying it. Other forms of bad debt are car payments, credit card balances, or other consumer loans. Awesome. Cool. Spoken by a man who, by the way, is $900 million in debt. I would say his, no. Correction, sorry, Robert. Um, he is not personally on the hook for that. His corporations are. So we can have that conversation at a later time. Um, John Maynard Keynes, who is an economist, uh, honestly, the Keynes School is very amazing things. He says this, if you owe your bank manager, and I'm going to translate the dollars to account for, for inflation because this quote is from 1940. If you owe your bank manager $100,000, you are at his mercy. If you owe him $100 million, he's at your mercy. So that's awesome, right? And then this one, Milton Friedman. Money is a very powerful thing which you hardly notice when it goes right, but which can create havoc when it goes wrong. That one's a powerful one for me, right? Because I'm going to tell you today, Leslie and I have money going kind of right. And we hardly notice it. But I'm telling you, 2008, if you got a flat tire, that was an economic crisis in my house. If kids needed some wire in their mouth, that was another economic crisis, right? If we needed to go out with friends because they invited us, and of course you feel guilty not saying no to things you can't afford, that was an economic crisis. We'd had conversations, hey, should we split a meal? Yeah, we should split a meal because we're gonna put this on a credit card anyway and at 18% add it onto the Snickers bars and Diet Cokes. Now listen to what, and this is what is so amazing about, for me, the credibility of scripture, because I was living like my guts turning inside out, 40 pounds overweight, it was a mess. So listen to what scripture has to say. So if you'll throw up there Romans 13.8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Dang. Let no debt remain. Pay it all off. Because guess what grows in its place? Love. Because you can see the other person. Because there's not that internal conversation. Oh my God, I got to get to work. I want, hopefully I can get some overtime. Do I need to Uber? Do I need, what do I need to do? Nothing bad with Uber. Sorry, Uber, I meant no harm. Um, Proverbs 7, I'm sorry, Proverbs uh, 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is slave to the lender. Word. Proverbs 22, 26 to 27. Do not be one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security. That means collateral 
for debts. If you lack the means to pay, whoa, 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 you're getting personal here, your very bed will be snatched from you. You know why? They'll repossess it. I don't know, show of hands. Anybody have anything repoed ever? That feels horrible. Not it. Deuteronomy 28.12. This one is powerful. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. I like this one because I want to unpack it a little bit. You will lend to many nations. What God's addressing the Israeli, uh, Israelites here, the Jewish people. What God is actually saying is, you're not only going to lend money, but you're going to lend the culture of freedom that I have for you. You're going to lend that to other cultures. You are going to teach people how not to be borrowers so that they can have spiritual freedom. Footnote, I am of the strong conviction, and I'm going to ask you to join me in this for the next 10 minutes, that what is happening in the material world is at the same time happening in the spiritual world. If you are in debt in the material world, you are in debt in the spiritual world. You are living with unforgiveness. And it's not that you don't want to forgive, is that the debt load is so heavy that you can't even see that there's a way to ask for forgiveness. Because remember, you're 15%, or 15 IQ points shy because you're so stressed out. And what's cool is that there's forces of darkness that really want to drive that IQ lower. Because what happens is when your IQ goes lower, you start plotting diabolical things like stealing, like hurting other people so that you can pay off some of that debt. Hold up. So, I want to read this one. You guys ready for some hope? Okay, everybody breathe. Everybody breathe. Is anybody feeling the weight of this? All right. I'm glad. Because I want you out. Jesus wants you out. Because the pain you're feeling right now is crucifixion. But if you go to work, there's resurrection. Because Jesus didn't blithely by accident, get killed. He walked up onto the cross and came back to life. And remember, stay with me, what's happening in the physical world is also happening in the spiritual world. There's a, if debt is overloading you, there's death is happening. What you need to see is life, that life is possible. So here is, you wanna know what to do? What you're going to do is you're going to read Proverbs 6, 1 through 5. And then I'm going to show you what Leslie and I did. And this was a revelation that came to us from Dave Ramsey. It was amazing. 
my son, daughter also. If you have put up security for your neighbor, meaning if you're in debt, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said. Get it? You got yourself in debt. You trapped yourself. Enslaved by the words of your mouth, so do this. You have a notebook? Whenever God says do this, you know what you should do? You should do this. <laughs> My son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hand, to the point of exhaustion. Whoa, that's a big deal. Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hands of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. You ever seen that video where the gazelle dies? Have you ever seen that video where the gazelle pops off and the lion can't get him? I'm, I'm telling you, you are not going to walk yourself out of financial debt or spiritual debt just strolling through the woods. You are going to have to go to work. And if you don't go to work, I'm, look, this is awful. You are going to live in this debt-ridden pain for the rest of your life. And some of you are saying, oh, no, not me. But I'm telling you, some of you, oh, yes, you will. Because you are unwilling to put your trust in God and do what he said to do. Freedom is for every single one of us. Every single one of you. And I'm not talking about financial freedom. I'm talking about the spiritual freedom that comes when you can take on every burden and through Christ, not only weather it, but joyfully be in it with other people. And when you are knocked low by financial debt and when your IQ is 15 points lower than it should be, you can't even understand how much trouble you're in. I don't want you to be in trouble. I was in so much trouble with my family that one day some gardeners said, can we put some fertilizer on your lawn? It'll be $15. I said, sure. And it was $15 a bag. And I freaked out. My kids got scared because I realized I'm ruining my family with a bag of So here's what Leslie and I did. We met with our kids. They were young. This is 2008. And we told them, hey, guys, good news is we're not broke. Good news is we're in so much debt that we're enslaved. We told them. We even gave them the dollar amount. They were little. Were they up for it? I don't know. But I need to tell everybody. I needed people to know. Because once you say it, somehow people want to help. They love you. So we told them. I still remember we were at TGI Fridays on a Friday, by the way, and uh, 
And we told them, this is probably the last time we're going to eat out for at least a year. Because mom and I got ourselves in a lot of debt. And what that means to you, no eating out, no Disneyland, probably no movies, right? No vacations, no, no. But what it does mean to you is that we are going to be a free family. And here's the day that that's going to happen. And here's the amount. And our kids, you know, they're young. Cool, mom. Cool, dad. You know, I mean, we're the ones crying, you know, because we're going to deprive our kids. Oh, my gosh. And they're all like, that's awesome. You know what? You know what the benefit that they got? They didn't know, but pretty much every week we had breakfast for dinner. Pancakes, waffles. It's the best, man. And, and you know why? Because flour and like half a cup of milk costs like 17 cents to feed a family of four. And we would use meat as a condiment. I am not lying. It would be rice, beans, and you would shave some pork in that. And it was like, whoa, awesome, right? It was awesome. And honestly, I remember last thing I got so crazy at one point. We recited, yeah, I'm a pretty dignified looking guy, right? Nah, thank you for being truthful. Uh, Leslie and I got so excited, we were recycling cans, man. We were having garage sales, right? We were sponsoring garage sales at other people's houses so we could have, because you only limited so many in your neighborhood, so we could take stuff. Uh, but we recycled these cans, and I don't remember what the money, it may have been like 120 bucks. That's a lot of money for recycling cans, right? So we took that money and we ran, I'm not lying, we ran to Pier 1 Imports to pay off the last $120 in debt that we owed Pier 1. And you know what? Juan and Leslie Garcia still standing. Pier 1, gone. I'm going to end right here. There's hope. There's hope. And if you choose not to share this with anyone, good luck over the next 30 years. We, in Christ, are one. Alone, we are shadow beings. If you want this debt to be canceled, first thing that needs to happen is you need to recognize that you are in debt. Not just material debt, but also spiritual debt. It's both. You need to recognize, I'm going to encourage you to recognize that Jesus walked up onto a cross and allowed what appeared to be death to happen. And what's happening to some of us here, what's happening, it feels like death, but it's only the appearance of death. It's not actual death. If you, if you are loaded down with spiritual, with financial debt, I want you to walk up the next steps. And I want you to share you need help with someone out there. There's plenty of people here qualified to help you here, to get you into a place where you could march yourself into freedom. And Jesus died what appeared to be a death, but really what happened is that he got resurrected into a new life. And that is there for you, spiritually and financially but not if you keep
quiet and act like you got this. If your guts are turning inside out, let me clue you in, you don't got this. You need help and it's okay. Because today, Leslie and I, like honestly, we literally can, we have budgets for everything. But we literally, anything we wanna do, we can do, we're talking about going on vacation and we're like, I don't wanna go there again, seriously. There again, seriously, 2008? I was like, uh, what? Please, if you feel it, go to Next Steps, talk to someone. Or else, do what you're doing for the next 30 years and cry about it all day long. I'm gonna pray. Holy Father, we are free, free indeed, freed by your light, freed by your death and resurrection. And if we choose, you've given us permission to live in a cage. But today, dear God, Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you just pour out amongst all of us here online and here and that you ignite the craving, the spirit of freedom and light and joy through your resurrected son, Jesus, in the power of Christ in the world. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.